Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. As regular listeners will know, this podcast is all about speaking to the people who get up each day and make this country work, putting their teams and and clients at the forefront of all they do and showcasing ingenuity and high quality leadership. And today I'm joined by Stuart Danzig of Caribbean Blinds and the organiser of CBCon. Stuart, welcome onto the show. Good morning. Hi there. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your day. I'm sure it's going to be a, a really interesting um, conversation, you know, looking at your particular specialisms and, um, you know, some of the benefits of the business interruption of the last 18 months. <laughs> um, so let's just start. If you wouldn't mind just giving us a bit of background just about yourself, the company and, um, you know, everything that you do. Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, the company Caribbean Blinds, we're a second generation uh, family run manufacturer of external shading. Um, so I run the company now with my brother, Brad. Uh, my parents retired at the end of 2016, and my, my parents had set the company up uh, as a limited company back in 1987. Uh, as a company, we purely specialize in external shading. Um, we don't get involved in any other form of home improvement products, and everything we do is manufactured right here in the UK at our production facility in Sudbury, um, Suffolk, and installed nationwide by our own teams uh, as well. Um, I've been involved in the business, well, I grew up around the business, but I've been involved in it full-time actually since 2001, and I've done everything literally from sweeping the factory floor uh, to assembling the products, confectioning the materials, and uh, the sales and marketing and, and admin, and it's the sales marketing and the business development side, which is uh, my area of expertise, and that's the area of the company that I now uh, I now look after. Fantastic. Um, you know, it's always nice when we have people on that have that you know family ethos um, within the company, and we'll come to that as we we sort of come through. I've got a couple of questions for you around that, but um, you know, obviously, it's impossible to ignore at the moment the issues of the last where are we at eighteen, nineteen, twenty months. Um, how's that been? You know, was there a particular downturn for you at any point, or, or was it you know relatively smooth sailing? To be honest, um, other than having to implement um, certain requirements based on the restrictions, etc., so making sure our team, you know, that they were wearing face masks, uh, social distancing, etc., was actually quite a bit of a problem in itself. Being within the home improvement sector, we've seen um, a huge upturn, if I'm honest. Uh, whilst we were closed initially for three to four weeks, uh, when the lockdown first came in, uh, we quickly reopened um, our manufacturer in a COVID-safe environment. And I think month one after reopening, um, our sales were actually 10% up on the previous um, previous year for the same month. And it actually, it just was a snowball effect. Um, the biggest challenges we're now facing due to consumer demand um, and across the board is uh, raw material shortages. That's probably our single biggest headache at the moment. Um, and that's caused by demand for our products, um, demand for the product to be delivered quickly as well um, and demand across the whole home improvement sector um, for for raw materials including aluminium fabrics timber and so on yeah that's um, you know it's been a pretty perfect storm of of chaos on the supply line hasn't it Um, you know when you look at just shutdowns um the the general chaos of getting things in and out of the country um then obviously when shipping was shut down because the Suez canal was blocked and um, you know yeah. it's uh, we we tend to forget that that is still having knock-on effects from supply to, to available resource and it's interesting you know that you do it all yourselves um you know do you find that that's actually helped from the the manufacturing to the installation to the sale 
Yes, certainly. I mean, from uh, from an end user perspective, by dealing directly with us as a single source from survey to design, manufacture, installation, um, it might not be the cheapest way of doing it for the end customer, but it's it's the least headache and it gets them the best end result because we're in control of the the entire supply chain. Um, uh, but you know, we also have our retail arm, our trade arm as well. So we have a number of retailers of our product throughout uh, mm. throughout the UK as well, um, who survey and install our products on our behalf. So they will market our products either under our brand or their own brand. We'll manufacture on their behalf and deliver to them, and they, they will carry out the installation. But um, you know, it's at the moment you're saying you're obviously very busy. Um, you know, up on yeah. previous previous years, and that's that's great to hear. But are you doing any sort of forward projections at the moment? Are you thinking that this is going to be a continuation, or do you think that there might be a time where it takes that backward step? Hmm? I mean, we're certainly predicting um, for the next five years growth year on year, and quite substantial growth actually. I mean, we were always being ambitious with our growth projections and targets. And I think the pandemic has actually fueled that for us. Um, so we're certainly not expecting. I think the big thing for us is everyone's falling back in love with their homes again. So if we go back to pre-pandemic, um, you'd go to work um, Monday to Friday, 8 till 5, 8 till 6, 7 to 6, whatever it may be. You'd come home. You weren't spending as much time in your home. Primarily, you were just sleeping in your home. The pandemic, when we all had to stay at home, whether we were working from home or whatnot, and then people began to do the odd jobs around the properties that they hadn't been done that had been put off. And one big area was the garden. People were you know, working from home, looking out to their gardens, which were typically patio, slab and grass. Mm. They couldn't go away abroad. They they started investing in their property. And I mean, our marketing said it, and uh, I think consumers would agree. You know, they were creating a slice of paradise in their gardens. You know, they they weren't allowed to go out of their, their own properties, but they were allowed yep. to go into their garden. So... You know, their, their garden was their safe zone, but it could also be their holiday destination. So I think people have fallen back in love with their, their properties. I also think from a commercial point of view, people are beginning to realise that if I go on holiday for two weeks and I spend X amount on a holiday, at the end of the holiday, it's over. If I invest in my home and garden and I can go in my hot tub or I can use my outdoor kitchen or I can sunbathe whenever it's sunny in my garden, which is really nice, a nice ambient, and I invest X into my garden, you'll see that money back if you ever come to sell the property. Um, so I think you know, consumers are getting more savvy that way as well. And I think we've talked about our homes being our castles in in the past. And I think that, that's becoming to the forefront again. I don't see this I don't see this mindset changing anytime soon because mm. consumers are still concerned about travelling. Um, and quite rightfully so, um, even though we might might not have the pandemic under control at the moment and majority of people are being vaccinated. And um, it's just in the back of people's minds, you know, what if? Um, whereas in their homes, their gardens, um, they know they're safe. Um, and people are really making the most of their homes and gardens. Mm-hmm. I think they're socialising more with family and friends because they've yeah. got a really nice, entertaining space to do it as well. Um, and that's transpired because of the pandemic. And if we hadn't had the pandemic, um, whilst I still think our sales would be up, etc., um, I don't think this mindset change would be there. So I think our marketing would be a, bit, a lot different now to what it actually is. And I just really like the way that you're expressing the change in people's mindsets about their homes as well. Um, you know, it is right. It is going to be the place that you spend the vast majority of your time outside of wherever it is that, that people now work. And, um, you know, making that little slice of, of, of paradise, as you say, or that little delightful area that means that you can embrace it. Um, very much, uh, you know, beneficial for, for people's health and uh, and well-being around around their home. But um, it looks to be a really 
sort of you know um, good future for you, and um, you know we'll look forward to yeah, sort of seeing that expand. Mm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think flexible working as well. You mentioned on people's health and well-being. I think flexible working is helping people's health, well-being. Mm. And again, because they're working at home maybe two days a week or three days a week, and they are going to continue to invest in their properties. I mean, there's been a massive upturn in people having um, home offices for the obvious reason. Mm. They, they, they want to get out of the house but still be within the constraints of the house, i.e. in their garden. So I, I don't see this mindset changing, certainly whilst as businesses, um, you know, we're in this flexible working culture environment and that's certainly not going to change anytime soon, especially as many businesses have seen actually I can get the same benefit from my, my employees working from home mm. than working in an office and there's been some financial savings there as well in terms of yes. overheads on office space. Well, that, I think that brings us on nicely. You know, as, as people know, this isn't just about uh, you know talking about business. It's also talking about personal styles of leadership. It's talking about individual ways of working and and sort of how that's changed. And you know, have you re- you know seen that reflection in yourself? Have you seen an adaptation in the way you're you're sort of leading the company and dealing with staff and and helping them to achieve? Yeah, I, uh, certainly. I mean, I think the biggest thing, uh, I mean, we've always been very flexible as a company, very, we've been flexible as a company in terms of where some of our employees have childcare issues or need to leave early for a certain reason. But I think it's just um, made us, uh, me as a business leader understand, you know, what is the most important thing in life, but actually our health is the most important thing. Um, and creating a flexible working environment especially what we do because you can't manufacture our products from your own home you need to be in our factory yes. but trying to create um, flexibility to allow um, different stage shifts if people need it or allow people to start earlier and finish earlier to work around their child care or work around what their, their partner or family are doing in terms of in their own businesses so I think yeah in terms of my style and communication I would say is the biggest thing and I think that's been from the beginning of the pandemic for us not just communicating out to end users and our clients what we're doing and also to our supply chain but really communicating clearly with every one of our team so they know what we're doing why we're doing it and involving them in it as well to help us make the right decisions um, and by involving them in they feel more a part of the company um, they feel more loyal to the company and they feel valued as well and it's really positive that actually this was part of your mindset before all of this happened, um, that these are already things that, that you had available. You had that in your mind, making things easy for people. That's one of the most encouraging, um, you know, sort of things that I've, I've heard. Um, you know, and it's nice to see that it wasn't too much of a, a sort of culture shock uh, for you to have to sort of embrace that as it stands. But, um, you know, you were talking obviously about um, your parents having started the company and you having sort of worked your way up from the very sort of, you know, I don't want to say bottom, but, um, you know, from the very bottom, let's just go with it. Um, uh, What was the most (laughs) challenging, um, you know, role that you've taken on? Is it the the leadership or was it the sweeping the factory floor? Um, If I'm honest, the leadership role came quite naturally and I was accepted by the entire team and I think it's because I was sweeping the factory floor so I'd done everything from scratch it's not as if I'd left university gone to work somewhere else and then joined the family business in a senior or a management role mm. so I think I was respected within the organisation because I'd done the roles that everyone within the factory had uh, had done within the offices had done as well um, and proved my worth so to speak so I guess the, the hardest part yeah, probably the manual labour would have been the sweep in the factory floor, the, the moving boxes around, loading vehicles, um, stock checking even, because that can be quite mind-numbing at mm. times. But I've done it, so I know when 
our current team are undertaking stock checks, etc. We try, I try and break it up for them now as well, so it's not just a whole week of solid stock checking it up for them because yep. I know what it can be. But yeah, I'd say the hard was the manual labor element. Um, I won't say I don't like to get my hands dirty, but I do prefer being sat behind a desk or on the phone with someone or on my laptop than I do building the product personally myself. I, I, I can understand that one. Um, having worked numerous, um, you know, labor intensive jobs myself, it's very much, uh, you know, a different, a different mindset, but sometimes it can be nice to get dirty again. And, uh, I hope okay. you, you have that occasion in you as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm on quite a regular basis now. My, my installation teams do ask me uh, to come along to site with them. So I, I will take them up on it one day and just sort of throwing myself back in the pit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but it also helps me understand, you know, some of the challenges they face on site now that I might have not faced when I done it 10 plus years ago when I was off on site. Um, and I think that's important as well that I get involved with the team across all the different areas um, because that helps us fine tune and, and finesse processes and applications to make sure we're doing everything as efficiently as possible, as safe as possible, and to, to make sure as a company we achieve the best bottom line margin as well. Yep. And it's so important to understand the, the company structure all the way through. You can make those you know, small changes that actually make a bigger impact um, across all areas. But you know, were there any sort of mistakes that you think you've made throughout this time or, or things that you'd rather you'd done differently that um, you know, either are, have an amusing tint or uh, you know, potentially more serious? Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, there's always things I, I could have done differently and I should have done differently. But I think you learn from your mistakes. I'm a firm believer of that. As long as you're making calculated risks um, before you do something, if it doesn't pay off, that's fine. At least you've done it, you've tried it, you know it doesn't work for your business model and you can try something else. So uh, I remember in 2011 when as a company we wanted to uh, sort of really push out to architects and specifiers and get our products included in them within their scheme. Um, we spent a lot of money on becoming accredited by Reva doing CPD seminars up and down the country and we were signed into a deal for three years. Um, and I say it's probably the worst money I've ever spent in marketing. But on the flip side, um, we learned a lot about that marketplace from it. And the way we do what we do today is based on that experience. So even though it was a bad financial decision in terms of the marketing element to it, we learned a lot about our customer base and we adapted based on that. So I think yeah, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer if you learn from your mistakes, you need to make mistakes to grow as a business and to grow as an individual as well. Uh, and I'm going to carry on making mistakes in the future. Um, hopefully nothing too serious, but I'm going to carry on making mistakes, learning from them, adapting from them. And as you do, you keep on climbing up the ladder. Yeah, it's all about embracing that change and realizing that you know you're, yourself and everybody around you isn't completely perfect and it, that needs to happen. But, you know, it's quite encouraging from a perspective from yourself that it's not always just about your own company. Um, you know, you are now the organizer for the CBCon, which brings in so many different areas um, and different organizations to help people learn from each other, increase their sales funnels, help with networking. And, you know, if you wouldn't mind just letting us know why you decided that that was the, the sort of way forwards. Yeah, so something I've been wanting to do for a while was how can we help our retailers um, sell more products because they're, they are independent companies. Um, but I'd also wanted to do something in terms of giving back to the industry, an industry that I've been involved in now myself for, for over 20 years. So the purpose of CBCon, the Standing for Caribbean Blind Conference, was to bring together companies from within the shading industry, whether you are one of our partners or you work with one of our competitors, or you just wanted to get involved in the industry. Help them to understand uh, with keynote speakers 
from hand-chosen organisations about the potential in the marketplace, the opportunities in the marketplace, and how you capitalise on those opportunities. So the conference is really split, split into three segments. The first is about the opportunity and the size of the marketplace, and we brought in a special data company to talk about how many windows and doors are being installed because there's everywhere there's a window and door, there's an opportunity not just for external shading but for internal shading, which makes up the largest portion of the marketplace. How much are people spending on their garden designs? What are the top products in garden designs in terms of trends? Then we had in companies, uh, specialist companies, talking about how you do SEO, how you do pay-per-click, how you advertise on social media, what your marketing message should be, talking about the importance of an omni-channel marketing approach um, rather than focusing on one element. And then we finished up the day talking about us as a company and what we were doing in the marketplace moving forward. So, um, yeah, something I wanted to do for a long time, we've done it, we just about pulled it off because two or three weeks later, the country went into lockdown. Mm. Um, and it is being revived next year as well, obviously, because over the past two years, we haven't been able to do it, or the past 18, 19 months. But it is coming back again next year. And it's something that we've done. We had amazing feedback. My team done great in terms of helping my vision turn to reality. And it's helped, it's helped us grow the marketplace mm. because just by giving people little nuggets of information, if they went away with one bit of information that they implemented, they saw a benefit from it. So it just helped us show our commitment to the marketplace, share our knowledge of the whole marketplace. Uh, it did help us grow ourselves, yes, because we have more companies sign up with us. It helped our existing dealers sell more product, which was the purpose of it. Um, and it was a fantastic day for everyone and for networking as well. So different types of dealers uh, in our industry. We're talking about blind companies, landscapes, hot mm. companies, uh, shop fitters. They all got to mingle and network with each other and talk about how they do different things in their sector. And again, you can pick up ideas from that. So it, it was a great event, something I've been wanting to a long time ago. And I finally... Um, I plucked up the courage, put together the team behind me. I needed to do it, and we implemented it, pulled it off just before COVID kicked in, and it, it was a resounding success, and it's something that is, is returning back in 2022. And it's really encouraging hearing that you're going to be you know, bringing it back and making sure that these lessons can be learned. And I am absolutely sure that there are going to be so many different topics of conversation um, from the first one to this one, purely based around what's been going on over the past, as we say, the last 18 months. But, um, you know, it seems to be that, you know, sort of giving back to the, the community is something that's pretty high on your list. And, um, you know, it's nice to see that you also support um, your local football club, AFC Sudbury. And, uh, you know, how's that sort of partnership going? That, that's a great partnership. Um, ASC Sudbury as a football club, they're, they're a grassroots club and they're really here for the community and that's the reason we wanted to get behind them and support them. In fact, as I speak to you today, um, they have a match this evening, the first uh, first round of the FA Cup, um, which they've managed to make it through to only the second time in the club's history. Um, so we're, sort of, we're all getting geared up for that this evening. But um, as a club, as I say, they're, they're a grassroots club. They're, they're really established in the community and given back to the community. The majority of our workforce is from the Sudbury and surrounding areas. So it was important that we were giving back to the community. And it also helps us from a recruitment point of view because people know who we are in the community. They know we're an established business. They know we give back to the community. So when we start to advertise our jobs and over the past 18 months, we've had endless new recruits. It just helps us um, find the right people as a fit for our organisation and people spread the word very quickly when they see our name come up on social media yep. you'll find it shared around by a number of the fans of the clubs and it's then shared around by their friends and so on and then we end up with a nice pool of CVs 
to, to choose from. So I always say if people are looking at sponsorship, do it for the right reasons. It's got to meet your values. Um, but it's not there to generate business. From my point of view, it's our way of giving back and it helps us with our recruitment procedure. And just to let any listeners know, we're recording this on the 5th of November. Um, so by the time it's released, we'll know whether or not the champagne was um, popped and the uh, uh, the celebrations have continued. And you know, everybody at the Leaders' Council is going to be behind you this evening because it's a, a great story. And uh, and hopefully, you know, that side of progress can go, basically a cup final. But um, if you're now sort of looking completely to the future are you going to be you know continuing on with the same vein are there new projects that you're going to be coming up with or or is it just you know sort of consolidate and improve what you can so i mean we'll always as a business always look inward and improve our processes etc but in terms of going forward a lot of it revolves around product development and our product development is based on two things what consumers need from the product and also we forward look to the European marketplace, which is ahead of the UK, to try and look at what the trends are going to be that will be filtered into the UK. So we have some exciting new products that we'll be launching next year or variations of existing products, and that's based on consumer demand and feedback that we've had. Uh, technology plays a big part around that as well because everyone likes everything convenient. Um, so having your shading system position itself automatically irrespective of where you are in the country to make sure your home stays cool mm. um, or to make sure there's not too much sun in your eyes when you're sitting outside in your terrace enjoying a, an evening cocktail whatever it may be so technology will be a big focus in terms of our development of our product and where that's going there's some big advances being made in that field along with product development as well mm. um, we, we've got a really nice new product that we'll be launching around October next year um, which is a, a variation of one of our existing products um, I can't say too much about it but I think it's going to be proved really, really popular. Um, and also making sure our products remain affordable. Um, we're doing what we can internally, as I say, to improve our, our processes, our efficiency, um, keep our raw material costs down as well. Because whilst the raw material shortage, uh, one thing we haven't touched on is how much the cost of raw materials has gone up across the board. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, what can we do to help minimise that and keep the products at a realistic and sensible price level without it becoming unattainable to people um but certainly yeah there's as a company we're, we're driven we're ambitious uh, we'll never never rest on our laurels so to speak and i think as a company you have to be that way if you just stand still someone will always overtake you so you can be at the front of the marketplace now but if you rest for 18 months or 12 months someone will, will take your place so we need to continue to innovate so when our competitors start catching up with us we're already doing the next thing and keep that going forward it sounds to be an incredibly exciting time for you at the company, despite the, as you say, the the rising costs and and some of those you know external challenges. But um, it's Stuart, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on today. Really interesting hearing not only about your leadership but your support for the community and and support for your for your staff. And that's exactly what we want to hear um, from business leaders when they come on. You know, a little bit of the nitty gritty, and you know when the ha- people get down to it. So you know, it'll be really great to have you back on in the future. Hopefully, once this top secret project has been um, announced and uh, you know we can hear about some more of the improvements but Stuart thank you ever so much thanks very much for having me on brilliant thank you and goodbye